Thank you for joining the QI Chatroom podcast. I'm your host, Max Perret. This podcast is sponsored by the Redwood Community Health Coalition's Health Center Control Network, a HRSA-designated and funded network of community health centers in Northern California with the goal of improving the patient and care team experience through the use of health, IT, and data. The QI Chatroom seeks to bring you relevant topics from health centers with a focus on sharing best practices and new information related to quality improvement. The information content and conclusions of this podcast are those of RCHC and should not be construed as the official position or policy of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by, HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. We've been hosting these podcasts since the fall of 2019, and we hope you'll join us as we share the latest in health topics. At the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in spring 2020, The world turned to digital tools to stay connected. Virtual family game nights over Zoom and chats via FaceTime quickly became the norm, and RCHC health centers were no different in this pivot. Within weeks of the public health emergency declaration, community health centers quickly stood up a remote workforce as well as telehealth and telephonic virtual care systems. In-person visits needed to be minimized, and telehealth and telephonic visits were maximized, with health centers also relying on other digital tools to engage with patients. In this QI chat room, RCHC's senior program managers, Kira Deji and Jennifer Inden, talk with health centers about patient telehealth survey results, what the data tells them, and what should be taken into consideration in molding best practices when it comes to implementing sustainable virtual care programs. Throughout the early days of the pandemic, health centers tested, piloted, scrapped, and rebuilt networks of digital solutions that would allow care teams and patients to stay connected. Health centers saw a 17% drop in in-person visits after the onset of the public health emergency and lockdown implemented in March 2020. Health centers went from seeing about 120,000 patients in person per month to less than 100,000 patients in person in the spring and summer of 2020. Health centers rapidly increased telephonic and video visits, going from just over 500 virtual visits per month in early 2020 to over 50,000 average monthly virtual visits. Patient telehealth project that we conducted back in April through May of this year. We originally sent out these surveys to patients in the spring of 2021 with the goal of collecting qualitative and quantitative data on patients' experiences with telehealth visits. Pacific Business Group on Health deployed the original telehealth survey on behalf of the 16 health centers that opted to participate. The survey that was sent out last year had the same exact set of questions as the survey that was sent out just a few months ago. So it's really great we were able to compare the responses of how patients' experiences with telehealth has changed over the past year. Both last year's surveys and surveys sent out this year went to individuals over 18 who are enrolled in Medi-Cal and had a phone or video visit in the last six months. Last year, the surveys were sent out just via email, but this year we were also able to send out surveys to individuals via text message in addition to emails. In 2021, there were 1,131 people who completed the survey, and this year 784 people completed the survey, which this year came out to about a 3.6% completion rate. 
233 patients completed the survey via email, with 551 completing it via text message. Although low, the 2022 3.6% completion rate is actually higher than the original 2021 survey when there were much higher numbers of video and telephonic visits happening. A quick overview of the results of the survey. We can see that there were increases in the percent of people who previously had an in-person visit with their provider that they saw for their telehealth visit, and a large increase in the proportion of people who had video visits versus an audio-only visit. Between 2021 and 2022, the amount of people who were ordered labs from a telehealth visit was about the same, as well as the proportion of people who actually had those labs completed and received the results. And then finally, I think the last point is really great to emphasize. There was a significant increase in people who said that you Using technology for their telehealth visit was easy. That was really great to see, especially as we focus more on digital divide and having patients being able to use the technology necessary for telehealth visits. As the pandemic continued to alter our daily lives, health centers continued to refine systems to better serve their patients and care teams while interpreting the ever-changing state and federal telehealth rules for federally qualified health centers. Though 46% of patients didn't find the technology required for their telehealth appointment easy, there was a significant doubling of the percentage of patients that did. I also think that that speaks to the rules constantly changing around telehealth. When the external rules are, are changed and, you know, oftentimes are changed overnight. The operations are having to pivot towards those changes. And I'm sorry, I mean, we, we've all read these tedious federal documents that are not always clear. I also think that it speaks to that. Absolutely. I think you're, you're absolutely right about that, Alfred. And I think that's where we really, as, as individual health centers and organizations and as a coalition, we really leverage our, you know, we have Max, who is our, our advocacy and communications director, and we leverage our relationship with CPCA for advocacy. And I think this proves that the work that y'all have been doing over the last year um, year and a half have really made a difference, right? All of those lessons learned from your 2020 rush rollouts and your iterations of your telehealth programs and the support with the patients and your communication, all of that has really paid off. Telehealth and telephonic visits have forever changed how health centers provide care to patients in the safety net. As they moved from reacting to responding and now into sustainability, RCHC is supporting health centers in examining what that may look like for them and their patients. Continuing to bring the voice of the patients into developing a sustainable telehealth program is a high priority. So I think you guys are all having really good conversations at your health centers about what does this actually look like sustainably? The few open-ended questions that ask patients about their challenges with telehealth, as well as what they like the most about telehealth. Overall, on the critiquing telehealth side, the most common answer was people saying they simply prefer in-person visits with not much of an explanation. And then some of the explanations that were given were that in-person visits feel more personal, it's easier to communicate with their provider, and occasionally telehealth can be difficult to access with internet connectivity issues. A lot of things that came up were patients originally had a video visit, and because of some internet issue, it had to switch to an audio-only visit. They were still able to access care, but just not quite in the way that they were planning. However, on the other side, the most common comments in favor of telehealth was that it was convenient and efficient. 
And those two words specifically came up a lot. Some other common responses included saves time and gas. You don't have to drive to the health center. It's a really good option to have during the pandemic. And a lot of people were very specific in that they thought telehealth was better for certain appointments, including follow-up appointments, visits for chronic illnesses, and for medication refills. Digging further into the 2022 survey results by Health Center shows a high percentage of patients who would like to continue to use telehealth in the future, with 71% of one health center's respondents on the low end and 94% of another health center on the high end of the spectrum. A range of 50 to 75% of health center respondents never have to worry about cell phone data. A couple things to highlight was that there was a pretty large discrepancy between the proportions of people getting labs ordered after the telehealth visit between health centers and a pretty large difference between health centers who participants reported that this was their first time having a telehealth visit. I'm really curious about the lab, uh, ordered a lab after their telehealth visit. I think if we go back to comparing 21 to 22, in 2021, 47% of participants were ordered to test after their visit and 86 received results. And in 22, 46%, so it dropped a single percentage point, were ordered to test and 87%, so it went up a percentage, received results. I wonder, do you guys feel like lab ordering went down? from telehealth? Do you feel like providers were ordering less labs? Or I'm wondering if it's maybe a communication thing. You're in the health center and depending upon your health center, they'll hand you your lab rack or they'll even come in and go ahead and draw while the patient's in the office. And so via telehealth, you can't quite do that. I think it's now more the telehealth are the follow-up visits. Adding on, the majority of our telehealth visits are are done by behavioral health. They don't really order a lot of labs, so that could be another factor. And adding to that as well is uh, we have a lot of chronic care patients, but those chronic care patients are scheduled for in-visits like every three months or so. In-person visits, they're getting their labs ordered then because unless it's a fasting blood draw, we can we can draw blood right on, on site. A lot of that isn't factored in with the telehealth numbers. So we're in the same boat of all three of those scenarios. Okay. So, you know, majority of our patients are behavioral health are seen through telehealth. Our chronic care condition patients that receive a telehealth visit, whether it's through health coach or they may have maybe a five or seven minute visit to go over their remote patient monitoring results, but then they are coming into the clinic like every four weeks, you know, five weeks, and then we're doing that lab work then because it's also a billing requirement, right? Um, And also to meet the measure. For example, you can't do an A1C in a telehealth visit and have them go do it and have it count. It has to be a face-to-face. That speaks back to some of the rules. More people were doing telehealth because they were forced on telehealth rather than having that choice. We were doing a lot more labs via Zoom or, or whatever telehealth because we were forced to that. But now that we're able to have them back in the clinic, now we, because of billing purposes, uh, we have to do some things in person right. rather than just, and I know there's patients out there that would just rather have the telehealth visit and go in to a draw station and get it done. But because of billing purposes, because of, of Medi-Cal or Medicare, they're forced right. to come in. 
Until the public health emergency, neither Medicare nor Medi-Cal allowed FQHCs to act as telehealth providers. This became an issue when the majority of health center patients fall into one or both of those insurance categories. Health centers were required to see patients in their office in order to receive payment for those services. With the rapid pivot to telehealth came a patchwork of temporary federal and state reimbursement rules and amounts providing revenue flow to health centers when they still needed to provide care to patients but were not able to see them in person. Though steps have been taken toward permanency in some way in California and at the federal levels, the long-term eligibility of FQHCs to continue to provide telehealth services with reimbursement is fuzzy. This makes it incredibly hard for health centers to implement a sustainable telehealth program. Not knowing the future of telehealth-based revenue has health centers not only looking at patients and care team experience as they develop a sustainable program, but alongside reviewing workflow and workforce efficiencies, health centers also have a magnifying lens on the cost of the technical platforms and devices for providing these services. These costs could be a major factor in health centers determining what type of virtual care options they offer patients. More recently, a billing issue has come up with us as well that through our telehealth uh, platform that it comes out significantly cheaper if we just do phone visit over video visit. So because of those prices, we're forced to do a lot more phone visits than video visits, and we're trying to overcome that huddle now. Health centers found that setting up telehealth visits for both patients and care teams required determining what an appropriate in-person versus video versus telephonic visit is. Maintaining the staff culture around scheduling the correct type of virtual care appointment modalities is also an operational factor in program sustainability. Doing a lot of phone visits, and then like we told our clinics, hey, just do phone visits for these insurances and do video for that insurance. And you know how it is in, in the trenches. They just did phone visits for everybody. So now we're just trying to overcome that hurdle and get a video out for everybody. One of the many health centers that are actively working on building a sustainable virtual care program and increasing telehealth use is Olay Health. Here, we talk with Gary Fedler, Olay's Chief Information Officer, who oversees much of their EHR and technical support operations, about their approach to revamping the virtual care program in collaboration with Partnership Health Plan of California, RCHC's Regional Managed Medi-Cal provider, starting with telespecialty. For many safety net patients, access to specialists is a large barrier to care. There is a shortage of specialists in RCHC's geographic area that are accessible in a timely manner to health center patients. Olay's successful use of telemed to you to connect patients with specialist care is one of the highest for Partnership Health Plan of California. They're trying to get more organizations to use the telemed to you. And they said, how are you guys doing it? And I said, this is what we're going to do to increase it even more. We're hiring a person to be a patient technology support person. And they go, wow, that's great. And I said, but I don't have the money for the person. So they said, okay, we'll give you a percentage of that person's salaries. And what this person will do is they'll do two jobs. The first job is they'll be the support person for telemed to you. And then also we'll be holding training classes where the patient will come in. We're going to set up cubicles either in the lobby or in an of some of our exam rooms, and they will train them on medical devices like the remote monitoring of blood pressures or the temperatures. And those are the things that update Hilo. They have to be able to speak Spanish is one of the big requirements. The person we're looking at is an MA because then they can do some simple MA scope work like take blood pressure if they need to. This new position, though ideally an MA, will be technology focused and housed in Olay's EHR support department under the supervision of their lead trainer. 
The other part of the job is that they will teach them how to go on the patient portal and do things on the portal. Their main goal is to teach. I don't want them to be medical. People go, oh, this is a medical job. It's mainly to teach the patients how to use it. Olay's planning of their future virtual care program takes into account patients' needs and experiences. During our survey processes, patients still want to see a person, and that's the hardest part about the telehealth. But do you think that that's because it is a perceived level of care, or is it that the telehealth technology scares them, for lack of a better word? They feel that they need to see the, the provider in person. And also, um, our providers are still hands-on type of providers. We do crossroads survey to get our patients input. And I think one of the things that we've noticed is when we first started the telehealth, people were worried about bandwidth. We don't hear that often anymore. That is what's changed. I don't know why. We haven't done the research to find out, but I think either people are carrying the bandwidth or everybody seems to have Wi-Fi at home now that's helping them do the visits. Before they go, oh, this is taking up all my bandwidth. Now we never hear that. Health centers have always known that their patients struggle to obtain high quality medical care as they have a high number of social risk factors that may impact them receiving the care they need. The COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the large digital divide that many safety net patients face. Olay's new role is one part of a multi-factor solution but there is more work to be done to change the perception of care provided via telehealth. Teaching our patients is the main thing that they can get a good visit over telehealth that they can get in person, but we still can't do like CHEs until we figure out a way to do the critical visits via telehealth. It's gonna, it's gonna be hard. Child health exams and other appointments that require physical components such as immunizations continue to be a challenge in virtual care settings, but health centers are getting creative with solutions. We also now have set up vaccine clinics so that we can do the visits via telehealth and then just send them to a vaccine clinic to get the vaccines. We have an entire vaccination program. I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about every site now. We have a regular scheduled team that is at that site that can do that. Care team experience is also being taken into consideration. Olay has several providers that only provide telehealth visits, and understanding what's currently happening during these visits will form future solutions. If there's any slight technical issue, they just drop to a from a televideo to a telephone call. Provider will go the least resistant route, and that is always a telephone call. We are still 80-20 rule, 80% or telephone, 20% or video. Olay has created a goal that 25% of all visits should be telehealth, with a high percentage of those as video visits. What are some of the things that your team is thinking about currently to support the providers in making that change? We are re-implementing more training onto the MAs. That's the number one thing that we've been working on. MAs rooming the patient. Having solid virtual rooming workflows is critical for video visit success. There are other struggles as well. It's easy to get a translator once the video or telehealth video is gone, but it's hard to get a translator to start. Olay historically has leveraged bilingual providers. But with a shortage of medical staff, Olay has needed to fill roles such as nutritionists, licensed clinical social workers, and the like with monolingual providers. 
Spanish-only speaking patients have a much higher likelihood of struggling to understand how to get logged in to their telehealth appointment. Olay's new role will help remove that barrier. Training the patients on how to do it. That's what that trainer is supposed to do. Teach them how to do a televideo. We feel that once they come in and see how simple it is, they will do the, the video calls themselves. But making changes like this isn't always easy. What was the process like to get organizational buy-in to restructure telehealth operations? We got a good buy-in from the management team. It's still hard to restructure the providers. We saw that our future depends on telehealth through because of the APM model, but getting providers to look at it more is really hard. Do you guys have a plan to address that with your providers? It's more of a buy-in plan. They're still working on that. It's still a work in progress. Another large factor in health centers virtual care programs is the patient portal. Right now we have a 22% usage of our portal in a month. We feel that until we get that higher, telehealth won't work. Communication with their care team outside of an appointment, checking labs and the status of referrals are all things that patients can do on their schedule via the portal. But getting patients onto and engaging in the portal continues to be a struggle for health centers. They can't get their documents and can't go on online to look at their labs. It won't work. So we have a program right now to push more people toward the patient portal. Last month, we had a 2% increase. In addition to supporting patients with portal and video visit education, Olay's new role will also work to build a virtual care program that supports patients' self-sufficiency and naturally encourages a high percentage of patient use. Have there been any barriers to this revamp that you guys have identified? Through this new program, we're going to find out every person who does come in, what was the barrier? Why did they need to come in to do a telehealth visit? You know, is it because they were scared? Is it because their devices weren't good enough? At each one of the visits, as soon as they walk out the door, there will be a questionnaire. Collecting data on where patients are in their virtual care journey is pivotal to creating a sustainable virtual care program, ranging from lack of a device, reliable internet connection due to location or inability to pay, to understanding technology and how to digitally engage with their care teams. Challenges patients face are many and vary greatly throughout RCHC's geographic area. RCHC and its health centers are committed to addressing social determinants of health and improving tequity to improve patient care and the way they receive that care. This work is ongoing and is supported by RCHC's Health Center Control Network and will help development of systematic collection of digital divide data points and a health center tech navigator training curriculum and resources to increase staff and patient engagement in health center virtual care programs. To learn more about the work RCHC and its health centers are doing, please visit www.rchc.net. A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. Thank you for joining the QI Chatroom podcast. We appreciate you, our listeners, for joining us today. If you have suggested future topics, please email m-p-e-r-r-e-y at rchc.net. And please follow us, the Redwood Community Health Coalition, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Goodbye for now. Till next time on the QI Chatroom.